I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. Well, welcome back for another episode, folks. We are halfway through the legislative session. It is uh, it is great to be kind of tracking all these bills, getting Catholics engaged. It can be a bit of a, a bit much to, to follow at times, especially right now. Uh, excuse me, like if I don't have my notes straight, I call it daddy brain. And I'm writing like the zone for our fifth child on the way. I'm on a hiatus, a travel ban, uh, home from pier right now awaiting the impending birth of our fifth child, but doing do my very best to keep up remotely. I've been testifying on a, on a few bills um, via the internet, which the legislature is accustomed to now. Hey, for our episode today, we are going to share with you an episode of Catholic Views that aired this week. Uh, Chris Bergwald was uh, guest hosting, filling in for regular host Renee Kranz. We talked about the legislative session, so I hope that you enjoy this episode. Stay tuned at the end. We're going to fill in a couple of the gaps for some uh, some late breaking news from the legislative session that has emerged since we recorded this episode. And joining me in studio once again today is Chris Motes. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Doing well. Good. Chris is the exec- executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference. And today we're going to talk about the 2022 South Dakota legislative session. And that's a mouthful Indeed. for- for us who don't live it every day to say. So Chris, before we get into sort of the details of this session, uh, I think it's good for the listeners just to sort of take a little bit of a step back and um, think about why a show called Catholic Views, why are we talking about politics? Because everybody knows that faith and politics don't mi- the facts that a, the fact that a theologian yeah. and a lobbyist yes. are are sitting across the table from like this is just well I mean I I often joke that the biggest part of my job is to help people get ready for Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner with Amen, the family. It's like what are the two things you're never supposed to talk about, especially at the same time in polite company, faith and politics. Keep your religion and keep your politics out of the family meals. I've had many people tell me that. Um, even people that are like really, you know, engaged with the faith, like, Absolutely. oh, when I, you know, go visit such and such family members, there are a couple of things that are not on the table. Um, yeah, what do you do with that? Yeah. So your question is a very, very good one. You know, how do we, how do we, how do we talk about it? I think one of the places we have to start is a, it's actually a principle of Catholic social teaching that we don't often think about as a, as one of these principles that, you know, okay, so we've got like human dignity, the common good, subsidiarity, uh, solidarity, but there's this other principle of Catholic social teaching called the duty of participation, Mm. the duty of participation. It's this idea that actually we have an obligation to seek the good of the community in which we live. And we can think about community in a lot of different ways from like the community of our family, the community of our parish, but that also extends to the political community in which we live. Um, meaning, you know, our city, our county, our state, our country. And this is important. A lot of times when people are thinking about politics and political engagement, you know, I kind of blame, you know, cable news for a lot of this, but our mind just goes to national politics right. And for a lot of people, that's just like off-putting or I'll get into it every two or four years for like, you know, that, yep. that eight to 12 months ahead of the election. But actually, 
for us as Catholics, this duty of participation is not just on a four-year election cycle, but it's uh, every day of the year, all the time. Um, and it, it, it's to be discerned, obviously, can be different for different people. But I really encourage people, you know, think about how do you live out this duty of participation vis-a-vis this beautiful place in which we all live, the state of South Dakota. Yep. We've got this this legislative session, comes around once a year, January, February, March. What's going on in your state capitol? And and how are your views as a Catholic citizen um, really getting a hearing there? So there's kind of this uh, theological component, if you will, for us. There's also this very practical component of the duty of participation. The form of government that we have, a democracy, a democratic republic, you can be as virtuous you know, as Mother Teresa mm-hmm. and staying at home, but democracy doesn't necessarily just reward virtuous people who stay at home. Practically speaking, you got to show up. Right. You know, it, democracy rewards engagement. So if you like really deeply care about the, the fabric of your community and the moral fabric of our laws, but, you know, it begins and ends with you complaining over the newspaper and your breakfast cereal. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily help. You got to get to reach out. And I, and I really liked actually how you started uh, because it, it, it pokes at a weakness for us. I think as Americans, you talked about the duty of participation, mm. not, not the right to participate. Right. We as Americans, we love, well, I have the right to what, but we're less comfortable when it comes to obligation or responsibility or duty. Yeah. For us as Catholics, it's our duty to the extent we can. And right. what that's going to look like is going to vary from person to person. But to the extent we can, we're, we're obliged. Yeah. We're supposed to. And that, oh, who are you? To well, this is what our faith tells us. It's yeah. one of the principles, as you said, of Catholic social teaching. Yeah. I've, and I've heard stories, too, of you know sharing this duty with Catholics. I get stories of people from their childhood. My dad would always write letters. And one person even said, my dad would write a letter with carbon paper. What's that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He'd stick one of the letters. That's where you hit the CC of the email, right? That's He'd stick one of the letters in the mail, and then he'd put the carbon copy up on the fridge so he would remember what he wrote. Um, You know, we can still do that today. And actually, it's it's via email. It's even easier than handwriting a letter with, you know, carbon copy paper. But we can still do that via email. And the beautiful thing about South Dakota— is that our legislators will read those personally. Mm. Sometimes they get really busy and don't have time to respond individually during kind of the um, the height of the legislative session, but they will read your email. Chris, a quick question about efficacy in the political process. Yeah. Email versus mail. Does it matter, do you think? We're talking specifically here about South Dakota. I mean, email is so much quicker, and, yeah. and maybe there's timely reasons why. Sometimes I do wonder, though, but maybe maybe this is more of a, a more relevant at the national level than the state That's level. That's a great question. I would say, by and large, you can go with email, especially if you're writing on a specific bill that is going to be really you know time-sensitive. But I do know that personal handwritten letters can be really you know powerful. Uh, last year, the South Dakota Catholic Conference supported a bill that expanded homeschooling rights in the state of South Mm -hmm. Dakota. And one of the beautiful things that many uh, homeschool families did, both in advance of the bill, but following it also, was just they wrote a letter to their representatives, to their senator, saying, hey, here's what our family, this is how we live our life, here's how we educate, 
Here's a picture of our kids. So that personal contact, just yeah. saying, hey, this is an issue that's important to us and here's who we are. That's a powerful thing. Gotcha. Okay. So that, so that, yeah. that can be a helpful. It can be helpful, but by and large, email, email works, works well. What, what isn't helpful necessarily if you're cutting and pasting, like, mm. hey, I'm going to cut and paste the, you know, Bishop's conference statement. No, just uh, think if, if you're, if you're reading the Bishop's conference statement, that's a beautiful thing. You know, those statements are, please <laughs> read them, that. but just let it sink in and just think about what's important here and then try and, uh, try and repeat it in your own words. Right. Um, or if maybe there's one particular aspect that really touches your heart, just put that in your own words for your legislator. Okay, so so let's talk about what's important this year in this current legislative session for 2022. Sure. Well, one thing, uh, a position that the South Dakota Catholic Conference uh, just pu- published is a position in opposition to Senate Joint Resolution 502. And you might be, if you're paying attention, you're like, well, hold on. It's not a bill. What's a Senate joint resolution? A joint resolution, um, if passed by both chambers of the legislature, then goes on to the voters for a vote. Mm. So SJR 502 has to do with sports betting. Last year, the voters approved a change to the state constitution that permits sports betting in the city of Deadwood. Um, which, you know, as most of us know, it's kind of like a mini Reno or Vegas. It's, you know, it's kind of a a small mountain casino town, kind of a destination gambling spot. And um, that was approved by the voters last year. And what the proponents were saying at the time was, yeah, let's, you know, some Supreme Court case laws made this possible. We can now, you know, bet on sports games just in Deadwood. It's just part of the, the, you know, the vacation gambling experience but just in Deadwood. And now there's this move to like, well, not just in Deadwood, but you know, we can do this in our mobile devices throughout the state if we change our state constitution. So gambling is governed through the state constitution. Um, that's very typical throughout the 50 states to do it that way. So SJR 502 would permit sports betting anywhere in the state, any place, any time, through your mobile device. And of course, in the Catholic mind, um, gambling isn't a wrong per se, right, right. but there are certain forms of gambling that are not just sort of this, you know, recreational vacation. I'm going to go to the casino and I've got my budget or whatever, but are more conducive to the words that the catechism uses are enslavement. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more conducive to addiction. And that's when we start, expressing concerns as Catholics. So we look at what this does to the human soul that is actually subject to the addiction, what it does to the families that are impacted, what it does to communities. So we, we've got con- some concerns. We're urging a no vote on SJR 502. So again, that's about basically extending the scope of uh, sports gambling beyond the city of Deadwood. Yep. You okay. would have a casino in your pocket. Okay. So it's been described by one legislator as video lottery 2.0. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. There's a irony there, by the way, you and I've talked, just, I'm just going to point down this rabbit hole, but the irony, um, that, uh, speaking of our phones, what's in my pocket, uh, social media apps were engineered to be addictive, exactly modeled on that's gambling right. practices. Yeah. So that's a right. It does something to our brain, it does. which is why, it, you know, which is why addiction is such a concern. Um, and if you look at people who have actually been diagnosed 
with a gambling addiction disorder, nearly one in five of those people who have received that diagnosis will attempt suicide at some point. Like this is, I mean, there's really a a human cost uh, to this. Of course, proponents are looking at um, state revenues. Right. They're saying, oh, this is going to be a great boon, but we can't consider revenues in isolation from really the, the cost to souls. Right, so. right, right. That's uh, not, tax revenue is not the be all and end all of That's the right. common good. That's right. So, yeah. So what else should okay. uh, Catholics be attentive to? Senate Bill 159 is all a right. bill that eliminates the death penalty for those who have been diagnosed with a severe mental illness. Okay. Um, we've long supported bills that have curtailed, abrogated, kind of pulled back the death penalty even in limited fashion, you know, incrementalism, we, we would support even a, a complete ban. But we see this as a measure of mercy for those who have been um, diagnosed with something that's really truly debilitating to their mental condition. Um, now, th- there, there's a lot of nuances in the criminal code. Uh, so there is something as not guilty by reason of insanity. Yep. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people who truly were competent and had the sufficient mens rea, the mental state to commit a crime. But actually, there's something um, that has impaired them to a, a degree that we actually really want to extend a measure of mercy to, to certain people that have really debilitating mental illnesses like schizophrenia and so forth. So it's another. So you know, it would take that. So life in prison. Yep. So it, that's right. So it, it would only take the death penalty off the table. Okay. We're still talking okay. about the, the full spectrum of other punitive measures, including, if appropriate, um, life in prison. Okay, so. great. Uh, if you're just tuning in, you are listening, watching Catholic Views. I'm the guest co-host, Chris Bergwald, visiting today with Chris Motes, the executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference. We're just talking about some of the bills that are making their way, or resolutions making their way, um, but yes, well, maybe making their way through the South Dakota legislative process this year. Uh, so in addition to Senate Joint Resolution 502 and Senate Bill 159, what else should we be attentive to? Senate Bill 137 is a bill that affirmatively legalizes commercial surrogacy, which is a practice whereby a person or persons will pay a woman to be implanted with a human embryo, um, to go through pregnancy, give birth, and then surrender that child uh, to the other contracting parties. Um, it's intrinsically wrong. It's, this is, there's not a whole lot of prudential judgment uh, in this one. This one is it's, it's just wrong. There are a variety of ethical concerns. Um, you know, we can talk about the severance of the relationship between the birth mother and the child, the child's right to be conceived in an act of love between its mother and father. We can talk about the harm that happens to, to women. Uh, we can also talk about the pro-life angle, the fact that um, only at best, the data is indicating 7% of lab-created babies will live to see the light of day. The other 93% are intentionally destroyed, are frozen indefinitely, uh, or otherwise don't survive the risks. Um, So there's a bit of confusion in some circles on this practice. People see it as, oh, it's pro-life. You're helping um, people have a, you know, start a family, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we we can never do evil that good good may come. Right. So it is really important to acknowledge that the desire for family life that is experienced by, by couples who are, for one reason or another, not able to conceive, like this is a, such a good desire. Mm-hmm. The pain that's felt in uh, infertility is that's like real, mm-hmm. but surrogacy is not the answer. Right. So unfortunately, this bill made it out of committee okay. uh, this week. It is going to be on the floor of the Senate. I think they're going to vote on Monday, which is okay. When are we airing? 
Sunday. Sunday. Okay, so it's so going to be on the floor of the Senate tomorrow as people are listening. Contact your senator and really urge them to vote no um, on Senate Bill 137. Okay. So that's again, so, well, this is, we don't have enough time, but surrogacy seems to be a recurring issue in South Dakota politics the last couple of years. Yeah, it, it, it is coming up. And part of that is because there's an industry around it. So there's money to be made in this. That's when it first came onto our radar a couple of years ago when there was a limited liability corporation that filed its articles of incorporation with the state and somebody saw it and sent to me, like, what's going on? What is this? You know, um, and actually one of the problems that we're seeing in South Dakota is what they call reproductive tourism. Mm. We have people coming here from all over the world to hire South Dakota women because it's illegal in much of the world. When you're talking about China, when you're talking about Europe, so people come hire, you know, strong, healthy South Dakota women. Um, and then South Dakota children are. Bear the brunt. Yeah. So, okay. What else, Chris? Okay. House bill one zero zero five just died in Senate committee recently. This is a bill that I, this one is hard to understand, honestly, that it died. This just would have said that, uh, boys use boys bathrooms, girls use girls bathrooms, um, or for overnight accommodations for like high school travel and so forth. Boys stay with boys, girls stay with girls. And, and obviously the elephant in the room is that gender ideology is yep. pervaded in recent years. The reason that this has come back up in the legislature um, is because the Vermilion School District adopted a policy that permitted boys to use the girls' bathroom right. and vice versa. Um, you know, people, people are wondering, some people are wondering why, you know, why are people interested in school choice, you know, in recent days and it's like, well, this is, you know, exhibit A. There's just, this is, it kind of is really difficult to understand that we've gotten to this point where there's confusion over this. Um, but it is, in fact, a contentious uh, topic. And the reason I mention it, despite it being killed in committee, it's not over. Um, there is, I think, a uh, significant possibility of what they call a smoke out mm -hmm. on this bill, where it's called out of committee from the floor through a procedural maneuver. So. You know, for people who are passionate about this, I really encourage you to reach out to your senators and, uh, and what you can encourage them to do is smoke out House Bill uh, 1005. So did it die in House Committee or Senate Committee? Senate Committee. It's it already, it's already, already passed through, through the House. Already passed through the House. Okay. okay. Did, did well in the House, but it died by like a 6-1 vote in, oh, in really? the Senate. Okay. The Senate really struggles with this issue. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, so they could they can contact their senator um, and ask them to smoke out House Bill one zero zero five. Smoke it out. Smoke it out. <laughs> I can see the posters now. <laughs> that means something else. Anyway, moving on, Chris. It's like we need the Surgeon General's warning on that. We, we do. Yeah. We do. Yeah. So, uh, so we got about two, three, four minutes left. What else do we need to know about? Okay, House Bill eleven thirteen is a pro life bill. This is a bill that makes it a class five felony to coerce a woman with a threat of um, murder, assault, kidnapping. If you threaten her with one of those things for the purpose of inducing an abortion, that's a class five felony. Mm. Currently, it's only uh, a felony if she actually follows through and gets the abortion. So it's kind of like tightening it up to closing a loophole. We want it to be illegal even to threaten her with those things. Okay. Kind of a common sense thing. And a class five felony is a big deal. So we support that bill. That has not yet been heard in House, but I expect that bill to do really, really well in both chambers. 1113. Correct. Okay. Senate Bill 46 is on the governor's desk. That is the women's sports uh, 
uh, Fairness in Women's Sports Bill. This has been a tough issue going back four years now. This is the fourth time the Catholic Conference has supported a bill along these lines that unless a bill, uh, unless a sport is specifically designated as co-educational, that we should be clear that girls are playing girls' sports and boys are playing boys' sports. Um, unless, again, it's designated as a, a co-ed sport. Um, made it through both chambers. It's on the governor's desk. Uh, we expect her to sign it. She brought this bill. And this bill is really evidence that, um, you know, going back four years, it's a really hard conversation. There's people like, why, you know, what's, what's going on here? Whenever there's topics that there's just a lot of contentiousness in society, we just got to um, share our position uh, with love and yep. truth and compassion, but sometimes just kind of consistently sharing the truth over and over again, again, not without being strident or losing our cool, but the consistency of over four years time, now having it on the governor's desk, a wonderful thing. And I think um, sometimes we could use this maybe as an image for other, other difficult topics as well. Right, right. Just continue telling the truth over time. Right. And um, yeah, so glad that that is where it's at. Okay. The last one that I will share just a little bit about, this is another bill that is on the governor's desk. Um, and I think she's expected to sign this bill. This is Senate Bill 71, has already made it through both chambers. Thank you so much to all the, the, the Catholics in South Dakota who have worked hard on the Senate, or Senate, the, the part, South Dakota Partners in Education mm. Program. Yep. This is a school choice program. And Senate Bill 71 expanded the dollar cap on that program from $2 million to $3.5 million. And the reason they did that is because the program is working brilliantly and there's a waiting list of families who, you know, who, who meet the means tested threshold and they say, sign me up. I want to send my kid to a Catholic school. I want to send my kid to the Lutheran school. I want to send my kid to whatever non-public school it happens to be. You can get a, a scholarship for your child. And now the, the state has agreed um, to permit the program to operate at $3.5 million, just waiting for the governor's signature on that one. Great. Great. Chris, thanks for being here and sharing with us some Great. of the things that are going on. Again, folks, I want to encourage you, maybe uh, rewatch the show if you need to, but reach out to a number of these bills that are still in process, not on the governor's desk, to reach out and um, participate in your duty of participation. Thanks, Chris. You bet. And folks, thanks again for watching or listening. Again, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, SF Diocese to keep up with what's going on in the diocese and be part of our community online. This and other shows are available as videos on YouTube and the diocesan website, sfcatholic.org. So if you'd rather watch than listen, you now have that option. And that'll be all for us today. Hope you'll join us next week for more Catholic Views. And that's Catholic Views. Now, a couple of things just to fill in some of the gaps, uh, things that emerged since uh, Chris and I recorded that episode last week. One, just I was really thinking about this duty of participation that Chris got me thinking about, this duty that we all have as, as baptized Catholics to participate in the life of the community in which we live and really to, to seek the good of that community through politics, through other means. One of the things that came to mind as I was thinking about this was John Paul, Pope St. John Paul II, this beautiful uh, exhortation on the role of the laity in the world, Christi Fidelis Laici. One of the things he says is this, is that each Christian as an individual is unique and irrepeatable. Even in our gifts, he goes on to say. So he says, in our giftedness as a member of the church, yet we're each entrusted with a unique task. 
which cannot be done by another. And that just got me thinking, I have a unique task. You have a unique task. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? If you don't do your unique task, who's, who's going to do it? So that's one of the reasons we really have to fulfill that, that duty to participate. If we don't do our part, nobody else is going to do it for us. Okay, on to a couple of the bills that uh, we've got some updates. Uh, first, a few bills that the South Dakota Catholic Conference, as a bishop's conference, doesn't have a formal position on for or against, but might be really of interest to faithful Catholics seeking the good of the place in which they live. I've mentioned before, there are a lot of marijuana bills this session. Um, We've got like 35 or 40 bills dealing with either recreational or medical marijuana in one form or another. Broadly speaking, the Catholic Conference is opposed to the normalization and the commercialization of marijuana. So if you're thinking, what was that smoke out joke when Dr. Bergwald started laughing? Well, the joke was about all the smoke that's in the air over marijuana this year. We just saw um, kind of a big marijuana bill die on the House floor this last week, or excuse me, just um, just on Monday. It's House Bill 1280. It was a bill that would have permitted teleconsults for the sake of uh, medical marijuana. So as the law is currently written, you have to do a consultation in person. Uh, 1280 would have opened it up to telemedicine, and the legislature said no. Um, of course, one of our concerns with the medical marijuana piece is not with therapeutic uh, use in principle, but really that the the regulations and laws would be so lax surrounding medical use as to effectively normalize and legalize recreational use. Um, so House Bill 1280 died. Another um, bill that is of interest, especially for those, those Catholics who really have a heart for the poor. I, I know we're all called to have a preferential option for the poor. Um, and there are some that, that really feel uh, a very concrete call to advocate for the poor in public policy, which is just a very, very beautiful, beautiful thing. Take a look at uh, Senate Bill 166. This is a bill that eliminates uh, tax on your grocery bill. So currently in South Dakota, you get sales tax on, on pretty much anything and everything that you would buy, including groceries. Senate Bill 166 eliminates tax on groceries. Um, I know uh, just seeing some of the emails from St. Vincent de Paul groups, some of those uh, folks who are really engaged with service to the working class, service to the poor, um, looking at that, that bill with great favor. Another one that's of, of keen interest um, for the working class would be Senate Bill 186. That is a bill that expands Medicaid benefits. Medicaid is, is currently a, a government-funded health insurance for, for certain groups of people who can't afford it. Medicaid expansion, Senate Bill 186 would expand it to a larger group of people. And then just today, rounding out our uh, bill update, Senate Bill 137 died on the Senate floor today. So I'd mentioned that earlier in the conversation with Dr. Bergwald. That is the commercial surrogacy legalization. Conversely, coming over from the House, House Bill 1311 is the flip side of that. We support House Bill 1311. That's a bill that affirms our state adoption statutes. We don't want to use contracts. We want to use the adoption statute. Okay, so you can reach out to your House representatives, ask them to support 1311. We'll be coming up on the House floor this week. And then finally, an update on House Bill 1113. This is a bill that criminalizes, makes it a class five felony to coerce a woman with the threat of an abortion. We are in support of that bill. Made it out of committee today on the House floor next. That's it for now. Until next time, live well. 